Welcome to another night of Warrior Reads. As always, make sure that you've handled anything before bed, that the room is dark, and that you're in a comfortable position. Remember, as you're listening, if you get excited by a story or interested, don't worry about it. Now is not the time for your mind to be racing. Now is the time for your mind to be resting. As always, we'll have copies of the recordings available on our website, as well as even the ability to order it should you want to in the morning. Now is the time for your reward for a good day lived or a reminder to be a warrior tomorrow. I'll give you about five seconds to clear your head and then we'll begin. Welcome warriors. Tonight, our selection is from the Ramayana, a shortened modern prose by R.K. Narayan. Tonight, we'll be going through arguably one of the world's most ancient sacred texts. Hindu scholars will tell you that the Ramayana is 10,000 years old and that the true story that it tells happened over a million years ago. Whereas contemporary Western scholars will tell you that it's about 5,000 years old. Regardless, this tale takes us back to a time when the world was totally different, when demons and monsters roamed the earth and gods communed with men. The Ramayana is the story of Rama, a young Hindu prince who is called by the holiest man in the kingdom to journey with him far away from home to fight to free the world from the oppression of demons and be reborn as an enlightened hero. Because you take the warrior path, you are met with the call to adventure, your future self-actualization calling out to you to realize your true potential and rise above who you thought you were to achieve greatness as a new being. Such a great demand isn't always easy, though. As Newton's first law of physics teaches us, a body in motion stays in motion, and a body at rest stays in rest. Maybe what prevents you from taking the first step is fear, or laziness, imposter syndrome, low self-esteem, or attachment to your current life. Either way, it doesn't matter. Because you are a warrior, you understand that sacrifice is required to ascend. One must lose their life to be reborn anew, and your destiny awaits you. For Rama's father, when the powerful sage Viswamitra arrives at his door, he hears destiny calling out to his young son, who he loves dearly. He doesn't want to lose him and doesn't want to risk Rama's safety, even though the earth is calling out to his little boy to become a hero and save the world. Maybe you found yourself an opportunity in life that could be great, but you just can't picture it. Oh, I couldn't do that. I would have to leave my family. I'd have to quit my job and risk everything. No, this can't happen to me. 
Whatever it is, understand that it's normal to refuse the call. It's not always easy, especially at first, but courage builds in your heart and strength within your mind and body, and you grow in honor and self-mastery every day that you take one step closer to your destiny. And sooner or later, after you've overcome the trials and temptations and achieved the things you've never imagined that you were capable of, you'll look back on who you were and where you were as a battle-hardened, enlightened hero. So let's dive into this sacred text and go back to a time before recorded history and see how even a mighty king can struggle with the warrior path and how even a young boy can rise to become a god. As always, you can read this book at any time in the future, and it's worth the read. But as you let go of the day and its struggles, and prepare for the rest that you've earned, you may wish to reflect on how you have the opportunity to overcome your fears and disbelief in yourself. Because while you still have the opportunity within your grasp to face the challenge, you can recognize your initial denial and respond to the call to rise and be the warrior you are destined to be. So relax and enjoy. Rama's Initiation The New Assembly Hall Dasaratha's latest pride, was crowned all day with visiting dignitaries, royal emissaries, and citizens coming in with representations or appeals for justice. The king was always accessible and fulfilled his duties as the ruler of Kosala without grudging the hours spent in public service. On a certain afternoon, messengers at the gate came running in to announce Sage Viswamitra's arrival. When the message was relayed to the king, he got up and hurried forward to receive the visitor. Viswamitra, once a king, a conqueror, and a dreaded name until he renounced his kingly role and chose to become a sage, which he accomplished through severe austerities. Combined in himself, the sage's eminence and the king's authority, and was quick-tempered, but positive. The king, Dasaratha, led him to a proper seat and said, This is a day of glory for us. Your gracious presence is most welcome. You must have come from afar. Would you first rest? No need, the sage replied simply. He had complete mastery over his bodily needs through inner discipline and austerities, and was above the effects of heat, cold, hunger, fatigue, and even decrepitude. The king later politely asked, Is there anything I can do for you? Viswamitra looked steadily at the king and answered, Yes. I am here to ask a favor of you. I wish to perform, before the next full moon, a Yanga ritual at Siddhasrama, 
Doubtless, you know where it is. I have passed the sacred ground beyond the Ganges many times. The sage interrupted. But there are creatures hovering about, waiting to disturb every holy undertaking there. You must be overcome in the same manner as one has to conquer the fivefold evils within before one can realize holiness. Those evil creatures are endowed with immeasurable powers of destruction. But it is our duty to pursue our aims undeterred. The Yanga I propose to perform will strengthen the beneficial forces of this world and please the gods above. It is my duty to protect your sublime effort. Tell me when, and I will be there. The sage said, No need to disturb your august self. Send your son Rama with me, and he will help me. He can. Rama? cried the king, surprised. When I am here to serve you. Viswamitra's temper was already stirring. I know your greatness, he said, cutting the king short. But I want Rama to go with me. If you are not willing, you may say so. The air became suddenly tense. The assembly, the ministers, and officials watched in solemn silence. The king looked miserable. Rama is still a child still learning the arts and practicing the use of arms. His sentences never seemed to conclude, but trailed away as he tried to explain. He is a boy, a child. He is too young and tender to contend with demons. But I know Rama, was all that Viswamitra said in reply. I can send you an army, or myself, lead an army to guard your performance. What can a stripling like Rama do against those terrible forces? I will help you just as I helped Indra once when he was harassed and deprived of his kingdom. Viswamitra ignored his speech and rose to leave. If you cannot send Rama, I need none else. He started to move down the passage. The king was too stricken to move. When Visramitha had gone halfway, he realized that the visitor was leaving unceremoniously and was not even shown the courtesy of being escorted to the door. Vasithna, the king's priest and guide, whispered to King Dasartha, follow him and call him back. And then he hurried forward, even before the king could grasp what he was saying. He almost ran as Viswamitra had reached the end of the hall, and blocking his way, said, The king is coming. Please don't go. He, he didn't mean... A wry smile played on Viswamitra's face, as he said without a trace of bitterness, Why are you or anyone agitated? I came here for a purpose. It has failed. No reason to prolong my stay. Oh, eminent one. You were yourself a king once. What has that to do with us now? Asked Viswamitra, rather irked, because he had hated all reference to his secular past and wanted always to be known as Brahma Rishi. Vasisna 
answered him mildly. Only to remind you of an ordinary man's feelings, especially a man like Dasartha, who had been childless and had to pray hard for an issue. Well, it may be so, great one. I still say I came on a mission and wish to leave since it has failed. It has not failed, said Vasithna. And just then, the king came up to join them in the passage. The assembly was on its feet. King Desartha made a deep obstinance and said, Come back to your seat, your holiness. For what purpose, your majesty? Viswamitra asked. Easier to talk seated. I don't believe in any talk, said Viswamitra. But Vasithna pleaded with him until he returned to his seat. When they were all seated again, Vasithna addressed the king. There must be a divine purpose working through this seer, who may know but will not explain. It is a privilege that Rama's help should be sought. Do not bar his way. Let him go with the sage. When? Uh, when? asked the king anxiously. Now, said Viswamitra. The king looked woebegone and desperate, and the sage relented enough to utter a word of comfort. You cannot count on physical proximity of someone you love all the time. A seed that sprouts in the foot of its parent tree remains stunted until it is transplanted. Rama will be in my care, and he will be quite well. But ultimately, he will leave me too. Every human being, when the time comes, has to depart and seek his fulfillment in his own way. Siddhasrama is far away, began the king. I'll ease his path for him. No need for a chariot to take us there, said Viswamitra, reading his mind. Rama has never been separated from his brother, Lakshama. Maybe he also could go with him, pleaded the king. And he looked relieved when he heard Viswamitra say, Yes, I will look after both, though their mission will be to look after me. Let them get ready to follow me. Let them select their favorite weapons and prepare to leave. King Dasartha with the look of one delivering hostages into the hand of an enemy, turned to his minister and said, Fetch my sons. Following the footsteps of their master, like his shadows, Rama and Lakshmana went past the limits of the city and reached the Sarayu River, which bounded the capital in the north. When night fell, they rested at a wooden grove and at dawn crossed the river. When the sun came over the mountain peak, they reached a pleasant grove over which hung like a canopy, fragrant smoke from numerous sacrificial fires. Viswamitra explained to Rama, this is where God Shiva meditated once upon a time and reduced to ashes the God of love when he attempted to spoil his meditation. From time immemorial, saints praying to Shiva 
come here to perform their sacrifices. And the pall of smoke you notice is from their sacrificial fires. A group of hermits emerged from their seclusion, received Viswamitra, and invited him and his two disciples to stay with them for the night. Viswamitra resumed his journey at dawn and reached a desert region at midday. The mere expression desert hardly conveys the absolute aridity of this land. Under a relentless sun, all vegetation had dried and turned to dust. Stone and rock crumbled into powdery sand, which lay in vast dunes, stretched away to the horizon. Here, every inch was scorched and dry and hot beyond imagination. The ground was cracked and split, exposing enormous fissures everywhere. The distinction between dawn, noon, and evening did not exist here, as the sun seemed to stay overhead and burn the earth without moving. Bleached bones lay where animals had perished, including those of monstrous serpents with jaws open in deadly thirst. Into these enormous jaws had rushed elephants desperately seeking shade. All dead and fossilized, the serpents and elephant alike. Heat haze rose and singed the very heavens. While traversing this ground, Viswamitra noticed the bewilderment and distress on the faces of the young men and transmitted to them mentally two mantras called Bala and Adibala. When they meditated on and recited these incantations, the arid atmosphere was transformed for the rest of their passage, and they felt as if they were wandering through a cool stream with a southern summer breeze blowing in their faces. Rama, ever curious to know the country he was passing through, asked, Why is this land so terrible? Why does it seem accursed? You will learn the answer if you listen to this story of a woman, fierce, ruthless, eating and digesting all living creatures, possessing the strength of a thousand mad elephants. But that's a story for the next time. Embark on your path and accept the call, warriors. <laughs>